Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning. Yesterday came with confirmation that 81% of our children cannot read for meaning in any language by the time they get to grade 4. To put it another way, the foundation phase of schooling is failing for almost all of our children. There are so many ways to look at this, and it appears it's not because of the pandemic. Before the pandemic, in 2016, 78% of our children in grade four could not read for meaning. That figure is higher now to 82%, but it just shows how deep-seated this problem is. At the same time, there are big variations. Girls are reading better than boys. In the northern provinces, Limpopo and Pumalanga and Northwest, their reading scores have declined the most. In the coastal provinces, particularly the Eastern Cape and the Western Cape, their scores have declined the least. So what is going on and how do we fix it? This is just the start of conversations on this issue. First this morning, you'll hear from Professor Nick Spohr from the Secretariat of the 20. 30 reading panel. Then you'll hear from Dr. Inwabisa Makaluza, the head of research at Fundawande. And then Sipumalela Lakwaba is the secretariat of the Right to Read panel. We start then with Professor Nick Spohr. Professor Spohr, good morning and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Firstly, were these numbers expected? Do you, do you expect these numbers to be quite so bad? We did expect there to be a decline. Um, I mean, the COVID pandemic was the largest shock of a generation. So, yes, I do think we expected the results to go down. I think the question was just how much was it going to go down by? As you mentioned, it increased from 78% to 81%. But another way of looking at it uh, is using the PEARL scores, which show that about 80% of a year of learning was lost between the average grade four in 2016 and the average grade four in 2021. So they're almost an entire year behind compared to the kids from 2016. So is the story then that things were bad, we were making progress, and I understand there had been progress, and then the pandemic wiped that out? Um, Yes, I do think that's probably an accurate description. So it's taken us back about 10 years uh, to the same Pearl scores that we had around 2011. Um, when roughly the same number, 82% of kids uh, couldn't read for meaning in 2011 as well. Um, I think we should distinction between, uh, make a distinction between a shock and a level change. So a shock is just something very short that sort of shocks the system, but then the system reverts back to where it was, right? So if we had this improving trajectory before COVID, which we did, uh, that was slowly improving each year, there was probably about one percentage point more children that could read at a basic level. Uh, The problem here is that if you've got kids that are basically a year behind, they're not going to catch that up except if you implement sustained, deliberate interventions, after-school classes, Saturday classes, holiday camps, etc. And we're not doing any of that. So it's not clear that this is just going to be a shock that's going to go away. It's going to stick with us until we actually fix it. I know, depending on which sort of part of the Pearl survey you look at, it is compared against other countries. We're, We're right at the bottom, right? Is there anything different in our country that makes this the case? Now, there's certain things I could point to immediately around. Uh, Language could be a big issue. Uh, Inequality, a big issue. Is there any feature of our society, the lack of uh, maybe the lack of books at home? Um, Is there any particular or group of features in our society that predetermines this? So I think something that's worth emphasizing for your listeners is that uh, the 57 or so countries and regions that participate in Pearls are mainly high-income countries. There are some middle-income countries as well, like Jordan and Egypt and Brazil, uh, but most of these countries are the wealthy countries of the world. Um, So South Africa probably has the highest level of poverty of all of the countries that participate. 
Um, so a country like Brazil, for example, has roughly similar GDP per capita to us, uh, slightly lower inequality, but still high inequality. Uh, and even there, 60% of kids uh, in Brazil learn how to read at a basic level compared to about 20% in South Africa, or 19% if you want to be specific. Um, your question about what's special about South Africa or why do we perform so low, um, I think I would uh, draw a few points. One is that most of our teachers that are in the system were trained under apartheid. So more than 50% of teachers are aged 50 years or older, and they were never trained how to teach reading. Uh, the education that they received themselves, as well as the teacher training that they got at teacher colleges, uh, was inadequate. Uh, so for no fault of their own, uh, I think that there's, there are big deficiencies in how teachers are actually teaching, but also the conditions of teaching that they have to teach under. Uh, we've seen above uh, inflation wage increases for teachers, which means that we haven't hired more teachers, even though enrollment numbers have increased. So we've seen class sizes rise. So teaching kids to read, if you've got 60 kids in a class, is extremely difficult. Um, and the department isn't actually capping and limiting uh, large classes or providing teachers with the kinds of reading resources that they need to teach reading. So I think it's a combination of all of those factors. There are also home factors and household factors, like you mentioned, books at home, literacy practices at home, etc. But these children are going to school for 200 days a year. They're a captive audience for their teachers for six hours a day. That's the site where they learn how to read. That's, and the problem is at the end of grade one, you've got more than 50% of grade one kids that don't know the letters of the alphabet. That's not their parents' problem. That's the fact of the grade one teachers not doing her job. There's going to be a lot of finger pointing about this, and I'm sure there'll be statement after statement from various political parties. Some people are going to blame the system. Some people, I think, are going to look to what you say, the state, the nature of our society is racialized inequality. Some people will blame the Department of Basic Education. Some people will point to teachers. I'm fairly certain someone will issue a statement about the South African Democratic Teachers Union set to. Where do you believe our intervention needs to start? So I think the Department of Basic Education has the constitutional mandate to provide schooling to South African children. The president appoints the Minister of Basic Education who appoints the Director General and all of them are given the mandate to ensure that we improve the quality of schooling in South Africa. So when we're asking where does the buck stop, I think they are your three culprits, the president, the minister, and the director general. Whether they, for example, is there a reading plan? No, we don't have a reading plan. We don't have a reading budget. There's no budget for catching up COVID learning losses. There's a recently announced one in the Western Cape. But other than that, that there's no national plan to try and catch up from this generational catastrophe. You know, extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures. And we're basically going along with this as business as usual. So I wouldn't point the, the finger, at least now when these results come out, at the classroom and the teachers and parents. In my mind, the biggest failure lies at the feet of the department for a lack of a proactive response uh, in light of the pandemic. Professor Nick Spaul, thank you. From the Secretariat of the 2030 Reading Panel, you were with SAFM. It's 19 minutes to nine. Continuing your mediated conversation about the fact that 81% of our children in grade four cannot read for meaning. Dr. Inwabisa Makaluza is the head of research at Fundawande. Dr. Makaluza, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning, Stephen. Thank you for having me. I don't know if you have us on a speaker or not. It's not a very strong line, so I'm going to ask you to speak as loudly as you can, if you don't mind. I would like to start by asking about language. And children have different experiences of primary school. I understand many children do start school in their mother tongue, then often change to English at grade four, often at grade four. How big a factor is the issue of language in our reading schools? It's, it's 
a huge uh, issue, and I think it's something that we need to really zone in on. I think, though, with regards to the PEARLS results, uh, that is assessed, like children are assessed after three years of being taught in their home language, the language that they are then assessed in. And so, yes, although there is a switch in grade four from in most country, in most languages from um, their home language to English, with Afrikaans uh, being the exception here, there is supposed to be like we they are supposed to have accumulated enough reading at this time in order for them to be able to extract meaning from the text that they've read. So it's not as simple as saying if we changed our language policy, it would change schools dramatically. I think that if we just focus on the language policy, we might find ourselves at a place where we are stuck with a red herring. I think that we need to focus on getting reading right at the levels at which they were supposed to be taught. So at the grade one level, we're supposed to have great good reading proficiency as a grade two and a grade three levels so that we build the foundations for literacy in the later stages of life. And also, I think what's important here for us to also understand is that a lot of the African languages have a transparent orthography, which basically means that the text that you see, each letter of the alphabet, it is sounded out in the same way, which makes it easier to be able to read here as opposed to a more opaque language, which then means like English, where A could be a, an A or an R, depending on which sense it is used. So there are ways for us to get into this and get it right. And we really do need to focus in on the teaching practice and improving this, which will uh, require a collaborated effort from civil society, from government, which is the main stakeholder here, and as well as um, just business. Teachers will tell us that their major problem is they don't have enough resources. They'll talk that they, they'll say they don't have enough readers, for example, for children. How important is the issue around resources? Um, and let me just say, you know, I hate to say this, but I think it is important. We spend a huge amount as a country on this, don't we? There should be a reader. There should be readers for every child to take home every day of the school year. A hundred percent, Stephen. Uh, we should all have, every child should, should have access to enough reading materials for them to actually get to practice reading. So this is actually one of the things that we recommend here in terms of the high quality teacher guides as well as workbooks for learners to practice. We have evidence that good reading materials actually does improve learning outcomes. We've got a case in the Eastern Cape where for two years uh, reading anthologies were rolled out across the provinces in the home languages. And that actually had a positive effect on the reading outcomes without any other intervention. Another study of how high quality materials can actually improve reading is one from a Limbobo study that has been made uh, at Fundawande specifically, where a high quality uh, teacher guides as well as workbooks were distributed across 40 schools. And in these schools, there was only the additional thing was uh, teacher training, 
we saw significant impacts, about a 50% increase in learner outcomes. So this is very important for us as almost like the low-hanging fruit. If we get this right, at least we've got something to move us forward here. So it also would require an intervention in teaching as well to make this work fully. You can increase, improve the quality of the readers and the materials, but I presume teaching still matters? Teachers is teaching is exceptionally important here. As Nick had uh, said earlier, uh, learners are in the schools for over 200 days in the calendar year. And so if we can get help for teachers, because as Nick had already said, we have teachers that were trained under you know, the apartheid era. So we would need some uh, in-service support for example, there, are, there is evidence that coaches, as well as TAs, and this I'd like to just make, just pause on here, we can use teaching assistants well in the schools to help the teachers if they are properly recruited, trained, and follow a, strat, a structured pedagogical program. So there can be support for teachers who are here. And then, as Nick also said, there is a retirement wave that is coming that we're looking at with teachers. And so looking also at the pre-service teacher training, particularly at the tertiary institutions, to, so that we can get a really high quality caliber of teachers who are going into the system is going to be very important as a part of this radical change that we want to make. Um, you talk about some of the research, some of the interventions that we've seen, and I know, I'm aware that there's been a lot of research into our education system. So from all of that research, there must be ways we can mount an intervention and be almost certain that it will work for the vast majority of children. There is this research available. Uh, pardon, can you please repeat this? Sorry. You point to all the research that's been done in our education system, and there's been a huge amount of it. So there are things then that we know will work. Have I understood that correctly? We know that if we do X, Y, and Z for 80% of learners, there'll be a big improvement. So we've got that research, which means that we've got research we can implement. If government, the department, everyone involved decides, we can implement that. Yes. And that, that is my current uh, ministry right now. We actually need to get to the schools and do it. We need to do it together with the Department of Education because the Department of Education is the main stakeholder here. And I think if we have the bold decisions to just commit and do the things that have been proven to work, we can really start to see a movement. But without that, with indecision, without action taking place, we will find ourselves where we are currently and we will always lament, which I do not want to stay here in the next five years. Thank you very much indeed. Dr. Nwabisa Makaluza is the head of research at Funda Wande. In a moment, Sipumalele Lekwaba from the Secretariat of the Right to Read. You mediate a conversation around why 81% of our children cannot read for meaning in grade 4 will continue. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation about the fact the vast majority of our children in grade 4 cannot read for meaning. Sipumalele Lekwaba is the from the Secretariat of the Right to Read. Sipumalele, good morning and thanks for your time. 
Morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Children have a right to an education. It is a duty on us as adults to enforce that right. How can we ensure that children actually receive that right, that they are able to read? Where do we start? So what so our collective is kind of new on the right to read and write. And what we're trying to do is um, kind of make a case for that there can be no education if there is no reading. It's one of like the basic requirements of receiving a basic education. Um, and so our mission is to start developing binding regulations for reading. Um, I think what Nick talked about quite a bit was that we have no plan or we have our campaigns and all these strategies which aren't actually legally enforceable. So what we're looking at doing is kind of creating um, a minimum content for reading and looking at it uh, in terms of like, you know, we have the binding regulations for infrastructure. So having four basic things that need to be um, provided by government that are regulated um, and are legally enforceable, which include how teachers should be taught, um, what kind of text should be in classrooms. I mean, it makes no sense that we don't have graded readers in classrooms right now. But setting that as a minimum, including um, assessments and the amount of time that should be included um, in classroom for the teaching of reading. Um, so you'd be looking at some sort of legally enforceable, almost a test, you know, L- learners would be tested every year and if they can't read properly, there'll be some kind of action against the department? So we're, tr- we're trying not to look at it uh, from a litigious point of view. Um, but basically at the moment, what you have is we have some basic income education. So we do know that if a school doesn't have textbooks, you can go um, and demand textbooks from the department. The problem with reading is that once you can't read, there's nothing in particular at the moment that you can demand, and the courts would have to go through um, that kind of test. If we have binding regulations, uh, the test would be more like, okay, well, does the school have access to those four basic minimums? Have they been provided? Have the teachers been trained? Um, in order to come to uh, some sort of agreement with government, which could be around the delivery of certain things or um, attaching budgets uh, to, to education. You make the point, as many have, that reading for meaning is the basis of everything else. It's the basis of, every, of education. We also know from quite a lot of research that the earlier we start school, the more resources we put into children at a younger age, the better. To put this another way, we put a lot of resources into matric at the moment. Should we be doing it even before school starts? Do we need to change the orientation of our system and focus a lot more on our younger children to try and ensure that they can read before we do anything else? Yeah, and I think you're speaking to the converted. I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of research done on ECD, and you know that ECD is currently migrating to the Department of Education. Um, and if I was an ECD person, I'd say there's a lot of problems there, right? We don't have a full rollout plan for ECD. Um, the curriculum is currently shaky. We don't know what's happening in there and what kind of resources are going to be um, committed because currently a lot of the ECD subsidies come through the DSD uh, and it doesn't look like there's much budget from the DDE side. So definitely I would tend to agree um, that there's a lot that we should be doing at an ECD level. Um, Do you think there's an understanding that we need to do that? I mean, I think we've become almost obsessed by matric when the mistakes are impossible to fix because they happened so long ago by the time you get to matric. Well, we're obsessed with matric, right, because matric has this objective um, test where you can actually hold government accountable. Any time before that, besides like the pearls every single five years, where everybody, you know, starts to notice and then it's it's a big flare-up for a while and then the DVE just sinks, um, and nobody notices again. There's nothing to actually hold them accountable. There's nothing they're working towards um, at the end of the year for the nation to start holding them accountable for learner outcomes. So we're obsessed with matric because you know it's an accountability measure.
It shows you how important it is to have some sort of testing process. That that really changes everything. Um, we knew five years ago there was a crisis, and we didn't improve things. And I understand that there was COVID, and I accept that. And we've gone backwards. The question we have now is, do you believe there is political will? Do you believe our society is really going to improve on this? And I think primarily we would look at the Department of Basic Education, but it cannot be up to them alone. It's got to be up to, you know, many parts of our society. Do you believe that people get how important this is? I I think they do get to an extent how important it is, but... If, if you look at some of the results that come out from surveys around, like, uh, in their presentation yesterday, they were talking quite a bit about how it's gone up about how parents are uh, impressed with how their children are taught at schools and they're satisfied. I think it's more of a question of do we understand the extent of the problem and where the problem is, right? Um, and I just I don't think we're all equipped with the right kind of information about what it even means to be able to read for meaning, um, what a child who can read should look like. I mean, most recently... Uh, the DBE developed uh, the benchmarks for each grade to kind of track the journey of a child and what it looks like to um, reach each of the reading milestones. So I, it, it's not that we don't understand that there could be a crisis, we don't understand the extent of it um, and that what can be done about it and that it's ex- to the extent that it's a gross violation of the right to basic education. I mean, what you'd like to see is, you know, the president talking about it, everyone talking about it and talking about it in an important way, talking about it in a constructive kind of way. Yeah, so, and, and talking about it um, in a way where there's like an actual implementable plan rather than saying, oh, in five years, all children will be able to read and then actually nothing happening about that. So uh, until they allocate actual budget, until they plan for it, until they, we have milestones for our children, and until we can actually measure what's happening with our children besides this weird five-year period, we won't be able to know um, if there's been any progress and where we are as a nation. Thank you very much indeed. Sipumalele Lukwaba is the Secretariat on the Right to Read. My thanks also to Dr. Nwabisa Makaluza, the Head of Research at Fundawande. And starting us off today, Professor Nick Spall on the Secretariat of the 2030 Reading Panel. Uh, you know, I'm going to end the show in the same way that I made it. I cannot imagine that I started. I cannot imagine not being able to read. I cannot anything imagine really anything worse than not being able to read. If you look at the world that it opens up, the worlds that it opens up to anyone, um, just in terms of the future and how we sort of look at ourselves, so much to look at in that particular issue. Well, we are intending to continue the conversation on this because it is so important. We are expecting to speak to the Department of Basic Education. I'm sure they've been listening to this conversation just to hear what their response is to all of this. They too would have known or had an expectation of what these figures were going to look at. I do expect more developments today, of course, around the other things we've been talking about on the show and particularly on the international front. And there'll be more in Parliament today about Eskom. From Mdu, Banyana, Stanza, Zelma, myself, look after yourself. Enjoy your Wednesday. You are this FM.